Oh my goodness. Anybody love dad jokes out there? They're great. Dad jokes are awesome. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I know you've heard some of them, you know, did you get a haircut? No, I got all of them cut. <coughs> yeah. Anyway, so glad you're at church. Uh, happy, happy Father's Day. Uh, glad you're a part of church. Let's pray. God, thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for your love. You are, uh, you are so good. And you, Father, you're our ultimate heavenly Father. And you're full of compassion and mercy and grace. <coughs> and we're grateful to you, Lord. We're grateful for your love, uh, your kindness. Thank you for being our God. Thank you for being a good God. And I pray, God, that you just take control of this whole message, anoint this message. Would you have your way in my heart and mind? I want to do a good job for you, Lord, and you put this message on my heart already, so I just ask you, Holy Spirit, to lead me and guide me and uh, have your way. Move in every heart, and men and women, young and old. We all need you, God. We need your grace. So thank you, Lord, for bringing us together at church. Um, lift us up, encourage, strengthen, convict. Do whatever you need to do, Lord. But we want to walk out closer to you, Lord. We want to have this encounter with your word. So speak to us, I pray. In Jesus Christ's name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you all to uh, those of you who helped out with motorcycles and bacon and cars and shoving a car in the front door. If you haven't seen it, we actually shoved a car in the front door and it's sitting in the lobby. So uh, if you're one of the Back door Thorn Creekers, you know who you are. You rarely go to the front anymore. I encourage you to, to voyage up to the front and check out the car. Also want to thank you for prayers. Uh, on a personal level, my stepdad uh, passed away on Thursday, and good news is he was a believer. He was about to be 82 years old in September, and uh, his body was just a wreck. He just His body, his quality of life had diminished significantly. So it's really a, a, a praise he died peacefully, but I, I flew out to San Antonio. Uh, I left on Thursday, I think, or something like that. And uh, I, I came back yesterday, um, and I was, you know, this message got put on my heart on Monday, you know, making peace with your past, ironically. And I just felt like I needed to preach this message. So when I flew in, I, I, I flew in Southwest, and I was like at the farthest, farthest possible, you know, place in the terminal away from the train. So I, I knew it was like a new area because the restrooms were really clean. And I'm like, this is not normal. <laughs> so I was like in a new area. So I just ran all the way across the terminals. I was like sweating, running. And I literally came in last night during the second song uh, after church started. And then I came up to preach. But uh, I'm, I'm excited about this song. I mean, this song, you pray for me, guys. I'm sorry, I got one more sermon to do. <laughs> pray for me. But, uh, but thank you for your prayers. Life is so, so precious. Life is so precious. You know, a lot of times when I work on sermons, um, it's not unusual for something to happen to me during that week that is related to the sermon. And it's like God takes me to a deeper understanding of that message and making peace with your past or with my past, boy, this is something that, that I've had to work through. Anybody need to make peace with your past? Anybody need to do that? 
there's some decisions you made, there's some things that you did, and if you can go back and just kind of rewind a little bit, you would do it differently. Anybody there? And I'm so glad here at Thorn Creek, guys, we all need the grace of God, and we're all so open. This is a church for people who want to start over. It's a church for people who want to grow deeper in Christ, and it's an authentic church where you can experience love and grace, and that's what this church is for people who don't have it all together. As I thought about this message, I, there's a person who came to my mind in the Bible. Uh, his name is Saul, a.k.a. Paul the Apostle. I want to talk to you a little bit about him because when you look at the New Testament, and much of the New Testament was written by Paul, um, but a lot of people don't realize, like, this is a guy who was changed by Jesus. And you read about him early on, in fact, when Stephen was being stoned, um, Saul was there. Saul was there. This is a guy who grew up as a Jew, a Hebrew. He grew up in a home that honored God. He was not an atheist. A lot of people say, oh, he was an atheist. No, he, he, he believed in God. His theology was just twisted. <laughs> he, just was, he just was twisted up a bit. Um, at the age of 13, his mom and dad said, hey, let's send him to go to boarding school. And he went and got educated under a guy named Gamaliel. And Gamaliel taught him a whole lot. In fact, some people would say he has the, had the equivalent of three or five doctorate degrees today. So bright guy, and he was climbing that corporate Pharisee ladder because he understood the value of the Old Testament laws, 613 laws. He prided himself in following the laws. So this guy's a religious guy. He just doesn't know God. So he's going through the motions of church, so to speak, but he's not changed. He doesn't love people the way God loves people. In fact, he becomes a Christian killer. This is a religious terrorist, this guy. And he, he participates in all kinds of things involving the persecution of Christians, and that's kind of where he's at. And then one day in uh, Acts chapter 9, you read about the story where he's in Jerusalem, and he decides to go to a place called Damascus. And while he's on this dusty road, and it's about 150 miles from Jerusalem to Damascus, while he's on this road, a light comes down on him. And all of a sudden, he falls to the ground. Now, think about that a little bit, guys. I, I don't care whether you've been in church once or never or always, whether you believe in God or you don't believe in God. If a light all of a sudden shone down on you, I mean, would you not, like, freak out? I mean, I would freak out. I mean, you're at home or you're in the car or wherever you're at. Oh, the light just came down on you and you're like, you know, it would be very humbling and terrifying. So he falls to his knees. This light's on him and he doesn't know what happens. And he has this conversation with Jesus. Now, keep in mind, he was not one of the 12 disciples. This is a guy who was persecuting the church, persecuting Christians, and the resurrected Jesus speaks to him from heaven. And the question is, why are you persecuting me? And he says, who is this? And he says, it's Jesus, the risen one. Crazy story. So that's how he has an encounter with Jesus. It was post-resurrection. And as scripture says, he gets up from the ground and he's blind. He's blind. Now, I've never been blind 
But I think it's a humbling thing. This is a guy who had a lot of pride, had a lot of arrogance. He prided himself in being smart, maybe the smartest guy in the room, understanding Jewish law. And all of a sudden, he's blind, and he's like, somebody needs to grab my hand because I don't know where I'm at. And I think he was just afraid as well. I think he was afraid. Well, somebody grabbed his hand, and Scripture says he didn't eat or drink anything for three days. He didn't eat or drink anything for three days. And Jesus said, you read this about it in Acts chapter 9. He tells him, I'm going to show him how much he needs to suffer for, the, for, for my sake, for the gospel's sake. Like, wow. There's this incredible moment of transformation that happens. And, and uh, I, I want to start off uh, looking at Philippians chapter 3. So Philippians chapter 3 is written by Paul. God changed it. Jesus changed the name from Saul to Paul. And uh, he uh, writes this letter 30 years after of his uh, Damascus Road experience. 30 years after he turned to Christ, he writes this letter. And here's what he says. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew, if there ever was one. There's a lot of pride, and he's just, he's just talking trash, guys. He's, then he says, I was a member of the Pharisees who demanded the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. So in his mind, he did all the right things. He did all the right things. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them, what church I consider them, worthless. Thank you. Hang out with me, guys. Be with me. Because of what Christ has done, yes, everything else is what church is when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage. And you think about his education and, and his uprising and all of his experiences. He looks back at his past, his accomplishments, and he calls them garbage. So that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. This is a changed guy. Verse 12, he says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but... I press on to, to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. And I want us to read this one thing out loud. Read it with some boldness. Let's go. Forgetting the past. All right, there it is. That's the message. Then he says, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. So he uses this phrase, and he has a past. If there's a guy who wants to forget his past, it's Paul. 
This is a guy who looks back and has regret. And he's like, boy, that was a, you know, I went through all that, and I didn't like who I was. I didn't like what I saw. I want to forget the past. I want to do that. And that phrase, forgetting the past, I did a little study on it. And here's what it means. It refers to the things he had depended upon to find favor with God. The things he had depended upon to find favor with God. So he had a box of beliefs. He had a box of beliefs. You came to church this morning, and you have a box of beliefs. You have your own, you have, your box of beliefs is like you have an understanding of whether or not God exists. I mean, you, you, you've decided about that. But you also, in your box of beliefs, you have an interpretation of maybe what a good person looks like, what, what, it, what it means to walk with God. You know, you may have made up in your mind, you know what, um, this is what's required to go to heaven. And, and, and you've made up in your mind decisions like, do you need to go to church every weekend to go to heaven? I don't know. Do you? Do you need to read the Bible to go to heaven? Are you a good person if you don't read the Bible every day? Are you a godly person if you are involved in a relationship or if you're lying a little bit here? Does God look over those things? Do you need to give? Do you need to share your faith? Whatever it is, you have a box of beliefs of what you think, what you think God wants from you. And when you look at, when you look at Saul, he's looking at his old life. And he's thinking about his past. He's thinking about everything he, he uh, was taught. And he's looking at everything that he learned. And he came to know Jesus in a radical way. And the first thing you see is this guy changes his mind. There's incredible power when you change your mind. And some of you, you need to think differently. You came to church, and maybe you were raised in church, maybe you weren't. I don't know, whatever it is. But the first step in you growing closer to God is changing the way you think. Paul thought he knew it. Paul thought he knew what church was about. He thought he figured out God. He thought all that stuff. But something happened, and he changed his mind. And I want you to turn to the person next to you and just tell them you need to change the way you think. Can you do that? You need to change the way you think. You need to change it. Now, how many of you, when that was told to you inside, you already said, I'm not going to change. You know who you are. <laughs> and others of you, you didn't even share with the person next to you because you're thinking, I got to drive home with them and I don't want to get in an argument. You know, I didn't mean that, honey. The pastor just told me to do that. <laughs> but you know who you are. You got to change the way you think. Here's the, here's the possibility. You don't know as much as you think you know. Here's the possibility. There's more to God than you think. God has a plan for you. God wants to use you. God's not done transforming you. I think too many times when we look at our relationship with God, it's, it's kind of like going to Costco or something. It's like, yep, I've been down all the aisles. I know what it's like, and I've seen it all, so I know it. God is mysterious. He is mysterious, and he is at work all the time, and he wants to use you. Saul thought he figured out God. There was a lot of pride behind all the education, all the church that he went to, but he realized, I need to change the way I think. And I'm going to look at his past a little bit, Acts chapter 26. He said, I used to believe that I ought to do everything I could to oppose the very name of Jesus the Nazarene. 
Indeed, I, just, it, I did just that in Jerusalem. Authorized by the leading priest, I caused many believers there to be sent to prison. And I cast my vote against them when they were condemned to death. Many times, I had them punished in the synagogues to get them to curse Jesus. I was so violently opposed to them that I even chased them down in foreign cities. Paul, or Saul, was that guy who would make fun of you for going to church. He was that guy who would, would slander you, and he was that guy who would just, he was a discourager, and this is a guy who ultimately even cast votes were caused to death, Christians dying. He was a, he was a Christian hater and, and Christian prosecutor, and, and that's where he was at. And, and, and he's looking back at his life, and he's saying, I did all of these things, and, and I, I think about that, and I, I'm not happy about that, but this is who I used to be. This is who I used to be. Have you ever wanted to forget who you used to be? You know what I mean? Have you ever wanted to forget, like, you know what, I don't remember, I don't want to remember that day. I walk in my house and I see that hole in the wall. I don't like that hole in the wall because it reminds me of what I used to be. I, I, I walk past or I drive by that, whatever, and you look back and you're like, I don't want to take that road anymore because I drive by that thing and I don't, you know, I don't want, I want to forget who I used to be. And maybe there's that moment in your past when you look back and you're like, that wasn't, that wasn't my best. That wasn't my best. How do you make peace with your past? First thing you need to understand is this, is you need to see your past through the eyes of God. You need to see your past through God's eyes. It's not about you forgiving yourself. It's not about you thinking positive thoughts. It's not about your willpower. It's not about personal meditation or any of that stuff. It's about you seeing your past through the eyes of God, through Jesus Christ. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Throughout scripture, you see the will of God as transformation. In the Old Testament, in Ezekiel, talks about taking out this heart of stone and putting in a heart of flesh and putting in you a desire to know God, to read his word, to allow the Spirit of God to circumcise your heart. I mean, this is the message of the Old Testament, God's desire to walk with humanity. And in the New Testament, it's all found in Jesus Christ. Jesus went to the cross to be a sacrifice for your sins so you could have fellowship with God. That is the will of God. Your life is found in Jesus Christ. This is God's blueprint. This is his plan. This is his formula. This is what abundant life looks like. Jesus said, I came to bring life and abundant life and full life. The devil came to steal and to destroy and to kill and to bring division. But God has come through Christ Jesus to bring us life. Paul the apostle said this, I once thought these things were valuable but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Now I consider them worthless. It's so cool here at this church. I have conversations all the time with people, and they say something like, yeah, I used to go to church, and then I stopped, and now I'm coming back here. We had someone last night. I was talking to them out in the lobby, and uh, this is a, a family that have been watching Thorn Creek online since January. 
and have not stepped into this building. And they decided to come and experience it in person for the first time last night. First time. I'll tell you what, our online ministry is the new front porch of the church. I'll tell you what, that's where people check it out. And then, uh, and then this other guy who came with them, it was related, told me it's been a long time since I've come to church. I said, well, how long? And he said, it's been 10 years. And he said, I just saw a lot of hypocrites, and I got hurt, and I just stopped going to church. It's a real common song, guys. That, I've, I've heard that so many times. And I'm so grateful this is a place where God is sending people, and they're starting over. Husbands, wives, marriages, sons and daughters, coming back and saying, yeah, I made some mistakes in the past, but I want to start a new life. I want to be a better man. Any men out there? I want to be a better man. I want to be, I want to be a godly woman, whatever it is. And, and we have these stories, beautiful, beautiful stories, and there's so many successes. Like, there's people coming to this church that haven't gone to church in a long time. And they're like, I just love coming to this church. And praise the Lord for that. Moving forward is possible when you understand God's forgiveness in your life. When you understand the grace of God in your life, and you're grateful for that. The only way you could experience the forgiveness of your sins, the forgiveness of God, is by first humbling yourself. Change the way you think. The Bible calls it repentance. And repentance is to change your mind. It's this idea of, you know what, I used to live life like this, but now I understand God wants me to live a life of obedience and faithfulness, and this is what it looks like. So I'm going to take my box of beliefs that I had, and I'm going to throw it out, and I'm going to focus on Jesus, and I'm going to be obedient to God, and I'm going to repent. I'm going to change my mind, and I'm going to start living for Jesus. And I'm going to ask Jesus to come into my heart. I'm going to ask him to be my Lord and Savior. And when you experience the forgiveness of your sins, it's transformational. When you taste the mercy of God, it changes you. All of a sudden, you don't take his mercy for granted because you know how far you were. You know how much he's done in your life. But it doesn't stop there. All of a sudden, you look at other people and you show grace and mercy to them because you've experienced grace and mercy from God. And if you want to look, if you want to go forward and get peace from your past, it starts with the grace of God. You changing your mind, saying, God, I need you, and you experiencing that forgiveness. And then you look back at your past and you see those moments. You remember, remember those, those things that happened, but you can see God's grace in it all. And now it's part of your story. It's part of your story. And you can now actually encourage and minister to other people. And you can say, yep, I know what that's like. It was a painful experience. But God is redeeming. And God is good. And God will carry you through it. And you have, you have an incredible edge to help out other people who are going through tough times. And so many times when we go through our Stuff in the past, you can, it can really get under your skin. You know, memories. And let me just ask you this question, because we could, we could remember things. Our memory is so strong. And typically, if there's emotion involved with our memories, we remember emotion. We remember emotion. And we could allow resentment and bitterness and grudges to live inside of our heart. And it's as if 
it just happened yesterday. So I'll, I want to ask you this question. Are you going to be bitter or are you going to be better? You could become bitter and spend that life, that bitterness, and everyone around you know that you're just angry. You're an angry person. You've been through a lot. Or you can become better. I want to say this also. Don't give people the power to bring the worst out of you. There's certain people in our life that typically come from our history that just bring out the worst in us. They have a way of pushing our buttons. They have a way of provoking. They have a way of saying things. And you're like, you know what? I, 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 uh, I, I'm not that person anymore. But it seems like their whole goal is to show you that you haven't changed. And you could give people that kind of power. And you read about this in, in Acts chapter 9. Saul's, the scripture says when Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet the, the believers, but they were all afraid of him. They did not believe he had truly become a believer. There's a couple of things that I see here. One is Saul is wanting to be part of the church. He recognizes the church is centered on Jesus Christ. I need to be at church if I'm going to grow closer to God, if I'm going to grow in my relationship with God, if I'm going to reach my God-sized potential, I need to go to church. You see that part. But what about the other side? You have Christians who supposedly have experienced the forgiveness of their sins, all right? That's what we, we could assume, that they are Christians because they repented and they've turned to Jesus and now they're part of the way. But they look at Saul and they're like, mm, I don't know if he's really different. Well, who are they questioning? They're questioning whether or not God can change his life. And their belief is, you know what, I don't think God can change that life. He was really bad. He was really bad. And let me just take this one step further, guys. So many times we look at ourselves different from the way we look at others. We judge ourselves different from the way we judge others. Someone once says we judge ourselves by our intentions and we judge everyone else by their actions. Someone once said that. But we can look at ourselves, and let me just ask you this question. Are you the same person you were a year ago? I most of us would probably say, oh, I think I'm different. I think I'm different. But we have a way of like holding people, holding people to who they used to be. And you look at someone who you haven't seen in a year or five years, and we can make the assumption very easily, I know that person, that's who they are. Maybe God has been working in their life, too. Maybe they're not the same person. Acts chapter 22, he has another encounter with some people. He says, after I returned to Jerusalem, I was praying in the temple and fell into a trance. I saw a vision of Jesus saying to me, hurry, leave Jerusalem for the people here won't accept your testimony about me. So now Paul is saying, and you know, Jesus is telling him, look, these people are not going to accept your testimony. And there's a message for us. There will be some people that will not accept your testimony. There will be some people that won't accept it. And that's a compliment. If people look at you and say, wow, you can't be, I mean, you really changed? That's a good thing. People are looking at you and there's transformation that's happening and it's authentic. I mean, that's a compliment when someone says, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Rehashing old arguments is toxic to your soul. You got to get that. Rehashing old arguments is toxic to your soul. 
There's some people who just enjoy arguing. It's a game to them. And honestly, guys, if you're like me, I, I mean, my memory, I have a hard time remembering conversations a week ago or a month ago or a year ago. And there's some people that remember events and conversations that happened 10 years ago or they claim to remember everything. Don't you find it interesting that those people are like always batting a thousand and it's like, really, you are, you remember everything? It's like, I, I, it's like, seriously? But anyway, but you could, you could run into people that enjoy rehashing old arguments. Don't waste your time. Don't waste your time. You have a God who wants you to move forward. You're growing in Christ. Then Paul says this in 1 Timothy. He says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has given me strength to do his work. He considered me trustworthy and appointed me to serve him, even though I used to blaspheme the name of Christ in my insolence, I persecuted his people, but God had mercy on me because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. Something you see with Paul is he takes responsibility. Some of you need to take responsibility. That thing that happened in the past, the way that relationship was severed, when you walked away, whatever you, you said something that you shouldn't have said that affected that relationship. You did something that you shouldn't have done. Take responsibility. And too many times we brush our responsibility aside. We just brush over it and we don't want to go over our responsibility, but we want to go over your responsibility. In fact, many times when we go rehash those memories many times when we think about what happened we are either the hero or the victim in our memory think about that a little bit many times we're either the hero or the victim now I'm not talking about people who've experienced sexual abuse or that kind of thing where you're legit the victim I'm not talking about that and God can heal you of that. God can restore you. And God can give you a new life. So hear that. But I do want to talk about those people who we had that relationship. Or you had that job experience. Or you had a relationship with your kids. Whatever it is. And you had a part in that. That's how you grow. You look back and you say, yeah, that was really dumb of me to say that. You know what? It was a weak moment and I should have never done that. And you grow from that. And you say, God, help me. Forgive me, Lord. And then an area of growth, oh, this is going to get deep, guys, is when you're willing to reach out to that person and say, hey, you know what? Would you forgive me? Would you forgive me? Incidentally, it's always easier to forgive people when you don't have to face them. And I can't tell you how many times people say, I've forgiven that person but they avoid them. They don't talk to them. But they say, yeah, I have forgiven that person. But if it's a friendship that just went south or, or something that happened, and if you're within, within your ability to make peace, then do your part. Because people may get a taste of God's grace and mercy through your humility, through your willingness to be honest, through your willingness to do that. Verse 14, he says, Oh, how generous our gracious our Lord, our Lord was. He filled me with the faith and love that comes from Christ Jesus. 
Check that out. Remember, this is a guy who grew up in the church. He thought he knew everything. He thought he knew how to be religious. He thought he knew the ways of the church. But now he's saying, oh, now I know faith and now I know love. I have a new faith and a new love that I didn't have in my past. And today, I'm a new person because of Jesus, because of Jesus. Verse 15, he says, this is a trustworthy saying and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And I am the worst of them all. Another version says, Paul said, I'm the chief of sinners. Now think about that. When was the last time you said, I'm the worst in my family? I'm the worst at this company. I'm the worst in this school. I'm the, I'm just, I just, I know who I am apart from Jesus. I know who I am. I know my feet of clay. I know what I'm, you know, capable of doing. And I needed God's grace. Don't you find it ironic that the guy who calls himself the worst of all is also wrote much of the New Testament. The guy who messed up so much in his past is also being used by, by Jesus for his church. Don't you find that ironic? See, if you wanna do great things for God, it starts with you humbling yourself. If you wanna know God's love for you, it starts with you humbling yourself. It starts with you being honest about who you were and turning to God and say, Jesus, I need you. And what God does is he, he says, I want you to move forward now. I want, you, I want you to move forward. I want you to walk by faith. Your past is not going to define you. That moment is not going to define you. Jesus has a future for you. Jesus loves you. Jesus will see you through. He'll carry you. He'll heal you. He'll restore you. He'll redeem you. And he'll use you all of your days if you just turn to him with all of your heart. That's what Jesus does. Over and over, he knows how to redeem and restore and renew. And that's what he does. Verse 16, he goes on. He said, but God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. You know what Paul is saying? I'm a walking billboard now. And if God can use me, God can use anybody. And if God can forgive me, God can forgive anybody. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. All honor and glory to God forever and ever. He is the eternal king, the unseen one who never dies. He alone is God. He alone is God. Anybody out there who's like a Saul right now? Maybe you have a past. And you came to church with a box of beliefs. Whatever it looks like. And maybe God is speaking to you and saying, you need to change your mind. And this is your moment. This is your moment. Turn to the person next to you and just tell them this is your moment. You got to do that. Tell them this is your moment. This is, here it is, baby. Here it is. This is your moment, baby. Right now, your name can change. God wants to give you a new name. You used to fear, but you're not going to fear anymore. You used to hurt, 
but you're not going to live like that anymore. You used to have resentment and bitterness, but you're not going to live like that anymore. You used to be held hostage to your past, but you're not going to live like that anymore. It's Father's Day, guys. <clears throat> Some of you have had a father that has been an amazing influence, an amazing example in your life. Hallelujah. That's special. That father never left your house or whatever it is, and you looked at your father and you realized that's the love of God, and you just had that example. Others of you had not had that kind of example. I didn't. My biological father left me when I was seven. My new dad comes in and it was challenging. It was challenging. But here's what I want you to hear. Men, you can hear this. You get to decide what kind of man you want to be today. It's not too late. You get to decide what kind of man you want to be. Ladies, you get to decide what kind of woman you want to be. You get to decide your legacy right now. You get to decide what your life is going to look like. You get to decide how you're going to live. You get to make that decision, and your decision will impact everyone. It's not too late. So today, I think God just wants to change some names. He changed Saul's name from Saul to Paul, and God has a new name for you. He has a new name for you. There's some memories you just need to say, God, I'm going to give this memory to you. I'm no longer going to let it have any power in my life anymore. I'm going to give it to you. And you give it to God and watch God work. God can heal, God can restore, and God can renew. He can do all of those things. Humble yourself before God and turn to Him with all of your heart. I want to say a prayer for you. If you came to church and maybe you don't consider yourself a Christian, this is a great place to grow in your walk with the Lord. So I want to encourage you. I'm going to say a simple prayer for you, but I want you to say these words as if they're your words. And I also want to pray for that person who might be more like Saul. He grew up in the church. You felt like you knew it all. You felt like you kind of came to church with your own box of theology. But today, God's ready. God wants you to empty out that box and turn to Jesus. And God wants to use you in a special way. Let's pray. God, thank you for your grace and your mercy right now, Lord, I want to pray for that person who wants to turn to you with all of their heart. And if that's you, would you say, Jesus, I turn to you. I ask you to forgive me for my sins. I want to become a Christian right now. I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. Get behind that steering wheel of my life and take over my life. I want to walk with you. Give me an appetite to know you, a desire to seek you, a desire for church, a desire to read your word, a desire to be obedient and faithful to you, to live a life pleasing to you, Jesus. Change me like you did. Saul, on the road to Damascus, change me. Change me, Lord, right now. Others of you might need to say this, God, give me a new name. I want to move forward. Give me peace from my past. I want to embrace your grace and your love for me. Protect me from the evil one who's just an accuser. I'm going to choose to listen to you. I want your voice to be the loudest in my life. So God, I give you my past, my hurts, 
my scars, my wounds, my pain, all the questions, the things that happen that don't make sense. I want to give to you. I want to walk with you. I'm going to trust you, God. And God, I pray that you change me and transform me. And I pray that people see you in me. And may it just all be part of my story now as I share my faith. Use me in a greater way. Wow. Somebody, oh, somebody needs to make that decision. Make that your prayer. Say, God, use me in a greater way. Thank you for your grace. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can we thank God for his word, guys? Can we thank God for